Welcome to the Smart Connector, the podcast that helps entrepreneurs be the leader their ideal people love. Build your influence, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons and become a Smart Connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. I've known Harry Sardinas for a few years and I was so impressed the first time I met him with his confidence, his poise and his obvious ability to just hold a room spellbound. So that's the thing really that Harry specialises in. He helps train thousands of people worldwide to present effectively and develop their leadership and public speaking skills. And I really hope you enjoy this telephone interview between us. Smart Connector Podcast. My name's Jane Baylor and I'm your host. And today I'd like to welcome Harry Sardinas. Harry's the founder of Entrepreneurs Are Leaders, Speakers Are Leaders, Millionaire Speakers and Topcoach.org.uk. Welcome, Harry. Thank you very much, Jane, for inviting me to your podcast. Yeah, you're very welcome. So just a little bit more about Harry. So he's trained thousands of people globally to overcome their fear of public speaking and become confident on stage so they can share their message with the world, contribute to society and create a movement of inspired fans for their products or services. His international 24-hour live program speaker, The Leaders, was listed in the Youth Tycoon app as one of the world's best courses alongside Gary Vaynerchuk, Dr. John Demartini and Robert Kiyosaki. Wow, that's quite an achievement, Harry. (laughs) He's also the author of multiple books and was invited to speak about writing on stage at the National Achievers Congress in front of more than 2,000 people. Finally, Harry is a prolific property investor, achieving financial freedom through property within the first years of coming to London enabled him to pursue his vision of entrepreneurial success. So Harry, it's truly great to have you here and welcome. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Okay, let's get into it by talking about speaking, because speaking is such a great way to connect with, with your audience, isn't it? Yes. I think that public speaking is the, without a doubt, the most powerful skill that a human being can have. In today's market, if you are an entrepreneur, one of the most powerful ways to expand your business is through public speaking. The reason for that is because there is a new concept that entrepreneurs have to embrace in in these days, which is the concept of personal brand. So there is, before you can get away only with your copper brand, so you can have a high copper brand and you can have a successful company. Today, the people need more. People want to know who's the person behind that company. Yes. And the person behind that company, how to speak and how to tell the story, how to be able to go to a stage and do a great keynote speech and talk about the company on a stage. And this is uh, one of the reasons why even on 2018, last year, we we spoke in front of more than 10,000 people in Peru, Mexico, Singapore, United Kingdom. And next month, we're going to, to Dubai with the Speakers Alliance, which is a program that allows entrepreneurs, go medalists, 
coaches, and normal individuals, housewife, to actually communicate more effective. So if you're an entrepreneur, they can attract more business to you and you can perform on a stage and expand your business. But even if you're a high housewife, you enhance that communication with your children, with your family, because let's face it, we speak in public every single day. Yes, particularly with, with social media, to a certain extent, everybody has a personal brand, right? Even even babies often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and puppies. <laughs> yeah. Of course, they, they don't have the opportunity to take advantage of your coaching services yet. <laughs> um, you train globally, Harry. So, so how, how do you do this? Well, it depends. Sometimes we, we get booked to speak. Actually, yesterday we had in conversation to go and train Coca-Cola, the executive of, of Coca-Cola next year, and work with different type of people. So we do here in, in London, in Singapore, mainly we do these big events where the public just attend and it's, it's a mix of attendees from, we have from lawyers, leaders from any religious background, politicians, employees. And what we do at the speakers and leaders there, when it's, when it's open to the public, is we focus and help them to overcome the fear of public speaking. That's the first step of the today's workshop. Yes. Because the fear of public speaking is the biggest fear the planet. I think that people, surveys have shown that people prefer to die than to speak in public. <laughs> so in the end of the day, we address that and, and we solve that by the, by the Saturday morning of our workshop, the fear of public speaking is gone. Right. And it's a right. workshop that we take them through a process. We have done it international several times. We get rid of that fear. Then something Michael happened. Because if if you have that fear of speaking and it's gone, then what happened is that that fear, it was not showing up only in public speaking. It was showing up in every single area of your life. It was showing up, showing up in your bank account, in your relationship, at work, everywhere. So once this fear is gone, you are extremely powerful because a, a new you starts to go to, to, to shop. We have people that, that has attended to our workshops that, for example, they're selling yachts and they've been one year without selling any yachts. And then they go to our workshop Saturday and Sunday. And then on Monday, they, they calling us that they sold six yachts in one shot. How, what is it possible if the course was about speaking and have nothing to do with, with, we're selling the yacht, but but the, the truth is that the empowerment that that person got out of get away of the fear, now they're more confident to take the phone and make that phone call that's going to close that deal. Wow. So, so what you're saying is that overcoming a fear of public speaking, because it's such a universal fear, uh, has a knock-on effect in many other areas of, of your life in terms Definitely. of confidence and yes. empowerment, as you said. Yes, yes, yes. We saw it hundreds and hundreds of times, and it doesn't matter. It, it, we have experiences and testimonials like this in every single country that we go. 
That's incredible. Do you have a special secret that you wanted to share with our with our listeners if they can't make it to one of your events soon? <laughs> <laughs> well, the public speaking, the, the main secret, and, and we we have exercises in our workshop where we do this together, is that it's about the meaning because people think that they are afraid of public speaking, but the reality is what they are really afraid is about the unknown, about what people are going to think about them. Yes. And what if they go blank on the stage? So we do this exercise very simple. I, uh, I usually take, I, I usually ask the audience and say, okay, who never has spoken in public? Raise your hand. Maybe five, ten people raise their hand. And then I call them to the stage. And then I do, I do this. After they are on the stage, I tell, I tell them, okay, tell them to the public, uh, what's your name? What's the name of your sister? What's the name of your family? Of your, of your father? What's the name of your mom? And then they start to speak actually in public. They, yes. they tell to everyone, the name of my, of my mom is X. The name of my son is Y. And my son is 22 years old. And then they start in public. And then I do this with all of them. And we arrived to the conclusion that why, if they never spoke in public and they are very scared to speak in public, why they're actually speaking on the spot? And the reason is because the question I am asking to them, they know the answer very well. They know the answer in to on top of, of the head. So there is no fear for them to actually communicate to the audience how the age of the son or the name of the mom because that knowledge is on top of their head and they are certain that is correct. Yes. And there is no, nobody with judge. Uh-huh. Yeah. So in the end, that's a conclusion out of this exercise. We, after we conclude that it's not about public speaking, it's about the unknown. And then the second conclusion is that when it comes to public speaking, the most important is practice. Is public speaking is a skill. Yes. It's like driving. So the more you do it, the better you become. Yes. As long as you prepare and you prepare your speeches and you prepare your presentation, you're going to be okay and you're going to deliver a powerful event. That's why we create this group. We call it Millionaire Speakers Network. We have one big team in Singapore, another big team in, in London where, where we practice Every every last Saturday of the month, we practice and we get they get trained in public speaking. Some of them, most of them, they are property multimillionaires that yes. that they need to talk more about in public because they are raising finance for big projects. Yes, they are actually presenting and teaching some of the strategies. So what we do basically, we practice that presentation and we refine the presentation again and again and again. So yes. When they have the, the opportunity to do the presentation somewhere else, now that presentation is on top of the head and they can focus on what is really important, which is the connection with the public. Yes, yes. That That's really, really interesting, Harry. And I just wanted to pick up on something that you said about when you get people up on stage and you ask them to, first of all, talk about the names of their family members, for example, mm -hmm. and how they feel a very low level of anxiety around that because these are, are facts and they feel very comfortable with the facts. 
do you think that effective public speaking is linked to certainty and confidence around your subject matter? Exactly. When you're certain about your topic and you know your topic very well, there is no no way that you're gonna have that fear. If, yes. If 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 that fear is still is there, is is only for a, a meaning that you bring into the occasion, but not not because of the of the talk itself. Because when you know your talk, you will be able to to perform without a doubt, hundred percent. All you have to do, if still that fear is there, it's a process that I, that I help them to do uh, all the time. Sometimes in the big conference. Yes. You, I was invited to speak along Les Brown in January 2018. Yes. And it happened to me several times that I go to this big conference with a lot of people are speaking. And, and then one of the speakers come to me and tell me, Harry, are you the guy that helped the people to overcome the fear of public speaking? I say, yes, why? I say, oh, no, I'm terrified about speaking. I say, yeah, well, <laughs> that's okay. Don't worry. He no, but the problem is that I'm speaking after you. <laughs> That happens several times. So very quickly, we, we run to the process. We take them to the backstage and we do some exercises. We do some jumping. We do some stretching. And the whole point is to uh, to change the state. Yeah? Yes. Because when the people are with the state of fear, they will stay in, in this state and they will bring that to the stage. So very quickly, we do, we do some movement, some exercise. And then we worked with that person there and then to make sure that that he moved from the state of fear to to the state of action, right? Yes. And then we we do some breathing exercises. The reason for that is because breathing, number one, is gonna relax the person, is gonna keep keep it calm. Yes. And the second is that the oxygen has to go to your brain. Because if if you don't breathe if you don't breathe properly, the amount of oxygen that we go to your brain won't be enough, and and that's one of the reasons that you can go blank and you forget everything. Sometimes when you forget the things on the stage, it's just because you're just not breathing properly. Yes. And like this, and after you do some movement and you do some breathing, then again when you face the audience, you have you need to have a powerful opening so if you say good morning everyone and then you open your arms this powerful opening will will actually um, give you that little push that you need in order to, to start your talk most difficult when it comes to stage is the first two three maximum five minutes yes after that after that you actually start, people usually start to, to connect with the audience. The first five minutes are the most challenging. So this one, the first five minutes is something that you have to practice a lot and to be prepared because this is the most, the big, the most challenging time is, is these first five minutes. But as I said, it's no, it's not a big deal. We, we do it, for example, now in, we have seven and eight of December, our speakers and leaders course here in London and we take we we put hundred people there. Hundred. And they never spoke in public. They some of them very, very successful entrepreneurs. Some of them they're already doing a lot of public speaking. I want to take it to the next level. And 
we bring everybody to the stage four times. Yes. I said that our, our workshop is not a speaking workshop, it's a listening workshop. So speakers and leaders is a, is a speaking workshop. So we take 100 people there through in this process. And the Saturday morning, what we do, we help them to overcome the fear of poverty in speaking. Then Saturday afternoon, we go to a process to, to teach the crowd how to tell this, their story. The reason for that is because you have to become a great storyteller and a great entertainment if you want to to make your point across and if you want the audience to like you and trust you. Nobody will buy anything from you. And I always say, every time that you are on, on the stage, you are selling. Yes. Either you're selling a product or you're selling an idea. So every time that you are on, on the stage, you are selling. And the most effective way of selling an idea of a product is through stories. Yes. Because yes. story we keep the audience engaged and the stories we create this level of, of connection uh, between you and the audience. And if you are a great storyteller, only with that, for example, that's all you need to, to do keynote speeches. We have friends that that's all what they do. They do keynote speech and they get invited two to three times a week to speak at different conferences and they get to, they get paid 5,000, 10,000 pounds per conference. And all they do in that conference is tell their stories. Yes. Because, pay yes. you for your story. Yeah. I mean, I love this concept because I'm very, very big on stories. I'm, I'm very into kind of, I, I come from a creative brand background myself. So I recognize the power of stories. They actually bypass the logical mind and they go straight into our imagination and our emotions, don't they? Which is why they are so powerful. So any tips on a, on a good story, Harry? Yes, yes. The stories, they have, they have a process. You are able to, to follow that process. Then uh, you can elaborate a very powerful story. For example, Let's put as example the Lion King, right? Yes. You have these, how the stories are, are made in general, how, how the company create this story. All these stories, they're following a pattern. Yeah. The pattern is at the beginning, everything is okay, right? So let's say that the, that the Lion King, so the baby king is born. So we have everything is fine. Everything is perfect, right? Yeah. And as the story move on, something is missing. So what is missing is that now the brother of the of Mufasa, Scarf, now he's yellow because of the baby lion uh, was born. So now we move from everything is okay to something is missing. Something is not right. Then after something is missing, then we move to the drama. There is always a breaking point, a big drama that happens in the story. So the big drama there is when when a scarf kill Mufasa killed this big lion, right? So this is a big drama. After the drama there is something that we that we call it the search. The the character start to look for something, start to look for some some answers. Get a little bit lost and 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 is looking for something. 
until you reach the point of the turnaround. So the turnaround of the story is when after that drama, you take some action and you yes. turn around the situation. Yes. Yes. The story of the Lion King is when the monkey find out that that he's alive, right? Yes. And then from the from the turnaround of the story, then you move to a new future, right? Yeah. So basically, it's like a curve, right? It's one curve where everything is okay, something is missing, a big drama, a turnaround, and then the new future. With the the only thing that we have to add as a public speaker to that pattern that Hollywood and the movies relate is the point of the story. Because in the end, we are teaching and we want to teach a lesson to the audience. I always said that friend friend of mine, Amma Morin, told me this a long time ago. He told me, Harry, never tell a story without a point. Never t- tell a point without a story. So basically, when you are a public speaker, you are a great storyteller, but what is the lesson behind your story? What do you want to convey to the audience? What do you want the, the audience to learn Yes, through the story? Yes. This is very, very important. It's so powerful, isn't it? I, I just uh, so I love storytelling, Harry, because it just has a, an impact on an audience, doesn't it? It brings out attention and interest, doesn't it? And connection. And like connection, said, absolutely. In the end of the day, nobody will buy anything from you. If no, no product, no an idea, if they don't like you and trust you. Definitely. Um, you are vulnerable when you talk about your life. When you talk, like, for example, a point of your life that everything was okay, but then something was missing. Then you have a big drama that happened to you. And then you convey to the audience how you turn around this situation. What is the new future that you have? And the lesson of the story. When you take an audience through that process, the level of rapport that you create with that audience is unbelievable the audience start to connect with you is you start to look everyone everybody have the the eyes shining i actually trained a a, a group of people from from speakers and leaders to tell the story in in the media speakers network and we did an event like uh, two weeks ago we invited the billionaire founder of simi sarai haluko uh, kutu to speak at that that event and with another two six figures, multi-millionaires, they were, they were, we were talking about business escalation in that event. And our team were there, all of them to tell their story. And you, you, I saw several times people crying in the audience. They were sharing the story for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and each of them, and I'm looking at the audience. And some of the audience, again and again, some of them are crying. Wow. That exactly. When, when you see that effect, two things, two things happen when, if you're telling your, your story and you see that some of the audience is crying or you see that the audience break an applause without you being asking for it. They, yes. the audience spontaneously break a big applause. That means that you're doing a good job. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That means that you're connecting with with the audience. And this is what you need to look for. If you tell your story 
and the audience doesn't clap at you spontaneously two or three times. Or if we go to a lower point, I don't think they're crying, but at least you can you can see that they're touched and moved by your story. Then what happens is that uh, the way that you're telling your story is too plain. There is no descriptive language. There is no... There are some, some different elements, like, for example, it's not the same that you say, well, I then I crossed the bridge, right? Yes. It's not the same thing that I said I crossed the bridge that when I face it, when I face this bridge, all the the path was white. Down the river was really blue and beautiful. And at the end of the bridge, after hundred meters, it was the end. You get the idea? So if you said I crossed the bridge, that's very plain. But if you describe and um, you can you can share the smell, the the colors, the environment, you bring a descriptive language to yes. read the story. It's not the audience, they can they they are in the story with you. Right? Yes. It's important to bring the audience with to the story with you. It doesn't have the same effect when you said I was five years old and I was bullying in the school. It's not the same impact that, that if you say, for example, imagine that you are five years old and getting bullying at the school again and again. That kid was me. Now that is different because you're bringing the audience to the story with you. You bring yes. inside the story. So all those elements, the scripting, there is, there is more techniques, obviously, about storytelling, but just to share these two with you. the If you bring the audience to the story with you, now the audience is living this story. They're inside the story. If you're walking in the forest, they're working on the forest with you. If something happens, they're, they're doing it with you, so they're inside the story. And definitely it has more impact and more engaging, more engagement. Well, I'm actually really interested in creative writing. I've done quite a lot of creative writing myself. I totally get that. And I totally get how important it is to involve the senses and to actually bring the experience um, of storytelling to life through a very rich description. So thank you so much for sharing that. So, Harry, let's get on to your story because you you have a very interesting story as well. So I'm sure that our listeners would love to hear it because you originally come from Cuba, don't you? Yes, yes. So tell us your story, Harry. Well, my story, I, I came from Cuba. Cuba is a wonderful country, amazing. Everything there is sunny. There is always summer there. So it's, it's a beautiful country. Everybody stay positive there and very, very happy. But then I decided that, that I wanted more. So eventually, after I finished university, I got a degree of chemical engineering. And I, I decided that, that I wanted more. So I went to live to Spain for five years. And after I, I came here to London. When I arrived here, I mean, I was very excited because this city is, is amazing. I saw the buses, very busy, people from everywhere. So something that, that I never experienced before. So I was very excited. However, I was facing a big challenge because my level of English is, it was very, very low, close to zero. 
and well, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still working on the case. I'm still doing a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of grammar mistakes, but so it was close to zero, nothing, very, very low. So it was very challenging. Every day I'm, I am, I'm throwing CVs all over Tottenham Court Road. It used to be a lot of, a lot of computer shops back then there. And I throw it hundreds of CVs again and again, and nothing is happening. One month down the line, I already spent a lot of money in rent, printing CVs, and, and nothing is happening. Second month, again. And then I'm becoming desperate because all the money that I brought from Spain, around 5,000 euros, they're already gone. I don't even have, I don't even have money to go back to Spain. And I don't want to give the pleasure to my mom because she told me, you're going to go there. You're going to spend all the money. You're going to fail. And then you're going to come back to Spain to me again. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. And I, I, I have, I'm, I'm just facing my mom again. <laughs> you were right. Oh, my God. I couldn't. So I'm fighting. I'm fighting to, to make that work. Then my village, there is a McDonald's there. And I was walking around there and they had put a sign that they said, I'm hiring. We are hiring. And I saw, Harry, this is, this is your moment. This is your moment because McDonald's, they take anybody. So it's <laughs> flipping burger. So I'm anybody. So I'm amazing to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I was desperate. That was the word desperate. And then I go there. I do the interview. And I got rejected. Oh no. And it was huge, huge setback for me because remember that was almost crying then in, in Oxford Street. All the people walking, everybody happy, laughing. And I felt so lost. Oh yeah. And I was thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm not even good enough to work in Madonna. What's wrong with me? Oh, terrible. I really want to stay here. I really wanted to stay, but that that was horrible. So then I don't know. Somehow, when when you are a dog in this moment, you find the strength to to stand up and keep going. So I say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna keep trying. I'm gonna keep trying until until I can last. Right? Sometimes when things are not working. You have to take it a, a different path. I remember that I was throwing CV again and again, but it was through Tottenham Cove Road and Oxford Street. So I said, you know what? Let me try to go close to Houston Station. And then I was there, and then in Houston Station, they were hiring for big company there. The name is SSP. They run a lot of franchises inside the station, and they were looking for a lot of people to work. And that's that's how I did it. Uh, to the rate of five seventy five per hour, after two months of hard search, I find my my first job, which is in the pub Britannia. Doesn't exist anymore, but in the pub Britannia in Houston Station. And then yeah, I go there, but but and I tend to work. And again, I was very very happy, but the truth was that my work is it was five seventy five. I was making five seventy five per hour. And this job only, it won't be enough for me to pay the rent and to pay the 5,000 pounds that I already spent. Yeah. I had to make that money back. 
So the first thing that I did in Houston station, I asked my manager and said, I need more hours. But this is what you do when, when you've been told, you know, if you, if you, if you want more money, then that's what you do. You work more. So I went there straight away and I asked to the manager after two months. His name was Paul. I said, Paul, please, I need more hours. I need more hours because I need to, I have to pay more bills. So he told me, okay, there is be below the, it, it was, by the same franchise, the Pub Britannia, another franchise, it was Thresher. It's, it used to be a wine shop. It doesn't exist anymore. I haven't seen them anymore, but back then, they were selling wines. So the manager told me, Paul told me, okay, Harry, Monday to Friday, you can work in the pub. Saturday and Sunday, you can work in the wine store downstairs inside the station. Um, because everything belonged to the same company, it, it was okay. So there I was working from Monday to Sunday. Right. Eight hours. I was, I, I will arrive work and my only hope was that I wish that someone in the afternoon, in the afternoon doesn't show up so I can do the shift as well. Yes. That was my, my, my only dream every time that I go to work. And so for me, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, it was my lucky days because for sure, People won't show up to work, so I can cover the shift. So it was good for me. I, I was again working Saturday and, and Sunday, and still even working all those those amount of hours. I was in the position still that I was spending more than I was making. I was trapped there. But an incident happened there that changed my life forever. And what happened was that my dad got cancer. And my dad's always been like a brother to me. My dad is a kind of person that when when I ask dad, do you have any money? He will open his wallet. Still, he does it until today. And he will give me all the money that he has in his wallet. So, so he's, he's this kind of person, always be this kind of person with me. And then he got cancer. And for the first time in his life that he need my help, then I'm in the position that, that I can't even, not even fly to Spain to help him with the operation. I don't have even one pound to, to, to send. Then my, my brother have to take all his savings, over 10,000 euros, all his savings that, that he saved for years were uh, working really hard to save my dad's life. I was the money, which was very important to save the, my, the life of my dad, my dad. So I went there and I was in the situation of desperate. I remember that I was living in a shared accommodation flat in London and, and I, I couldn't sleep. I got anxiety. I couldn't live with myself. I feel like crying. I had to smoke and from from the dusty shelf of this shared accommodation flat, I took the the book, and the book was "Rich Dad, Poor Dad" from Roy Robert Kiyosaki. Right. And that that book talks about how can you have your own business, how you don't need to trade time for money. Yeah. How you can have your property business and pursue your financial freedom. So very basic context, but at that moment in, in my in that my life, this is all that I need to make a decision that 
I make a promise to myself that I will never ever allow myself to be in this situation again. And the people that I love are suffering and I cannot help them. Yes. I take that decision. So I read I read that book in four hours. And then it was four AM. So by by half past four around five, I'm already like I said, I was already fired up. I was ready. So I take a shower and I was very excited. So when the bank opened, then I went banks, I went there and I asked them for a loan. Three thousand pounds was <laughs> the maximum that they can lend me because uh, with my income and so on, they cannot lend me more than that. So I grabbed the 3,000 pounds and then with the 3,000 pounds, I acquired my first rent-to-rent property. Today, we have sold over 4 million pounds and, and we did run a large operation with the, with the rent-to-rent. So the point of the story is that life will hit your heart. And you don't have to wait until something dramatic happened to you to become who you really want to become. So sometimes that's what happened to me. Until something really hard and dramatic doesn't happen to you, you don't you don't take the action that you know that you should take for for a long time ago. You stay in your comfort zone again and again and again. Yes. The point of the story that I want to share with all of you is this one, that uh, don't wait until life hit you hard in order to to fulfill your dream and to become what you want to become. Start to work on that from today, and the process is, is going to be different. Your story truly is inspiring. And, of course, your portfolio gave you financial freedom, didn't it, pretty quickly? Yeah. Yeah. And how how fast did that happen once you'd kind of got got the hang of it? After I after I took this decision, then I took the first flat. Then I did something very very important because if I said that I'm gonna be doing rent to rent and I'm gonna be renting the rooms, something that I did that was also very good. I said, okay, you know why? I want to work in the Hilton hotels. Why? Okay. Because what they do, they, they rent rooms, which is the same business that I want to do, right? Yeah. So I wanted to learn everything about renting rooms, about the whole operation. So what I did is I applied to work in the Hilton, yeah? See, my English was not good enough, so I couldn't qualify for the reception. But I qualified for room service. Yeah. And then, yeah, when I exactly started at the Hilton in the room service, I I already acquired the first property. And when I left the Hilton after two years, exactly after two years, I had, uh, I was running over nine properties. The income that the Hilton was giving me was around 1,000, 1,200 to 1,500 pounds per month. And at the moment that I left the Hilton, I could make this income very easy in in four hours by yeah. rent by renting to rooms. Amazing, amazing. So, so the same amount of money that I, that I was making in three hundred and twenty hours, I could make it in four. Then I say, okay, you know what? I don't need the Hilton to work in the Hilton anymore, and that was fourteen years ago. That's incredible. So you see, London really is a city of opportunity, isn't it? It just oh, took yeah. a while to to find it and 
it's a very, very common story with a, a lot of entrepreneurs that I speak to that they struggle for a very, very long time until suddenly something changes, the tipping point happens. And then uh, because they've persisted and they haven't given up, then all of a sudden that's it, you know, and success finally does come. And of course it came for you, which is amazing. If you really are committed to becoming successful and make it happen to you, they see they give you, give you that opportunity regardless of your color of skin or where you, or where you're coming from. This is the truth because this is my own experience. I train them uh, here in London, different background. They come from different countries. London will give the opportunity to anybody, I think, in any area of the business to actually progress and that's why I love this city. I love it. I don't complain about the weather. I'm I'm okay with <laughs> because if you're an entrepreneur, this is the city that you have to be because also uh, give a lot of facilities and there is a lot of opportunity. Unfortunately I don't spend so much time here in in UK now because we run in international talks. So we do this workshop only once a year in you in London maximum two. The yes. reason for that is because we do the workshop in London, then we do it in Singapore, then we do it in Mexico, and then we do it in Peru. And now we want to speak at, at, at the Independent Women's Conference in Dubai within two weeks. And there we're going to open the conversation to start to deliver it for next year speakers and leaders in Dubai as well. So the more countries we go, the less frequency that we can do the workshop here in London. And again, uh, we also train companies. Lily, my partner, is, is also, she's an expert in personal brand. And she helped uh, companies how to enhance the brand, help CEOs and entrepreneurs how to write their own book. And yes. And enhance your personal brand with that. And I usually go with my partner, Lily, to Latin America overall. So on the other day, we do corporate training. We do trainings to the companies in South America and Mexico and, and Peru. Could be in a hotel change, financial institutions, universities. We train them in dif different, different subjects like sales, team building. Depends because usually when we go to South, to South America, sometimes we, we, we get hired to, to, to speak in the company. And what happened over there is that we say, okay, but, but what, what we have to talk about? And they said, no, 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 let's go meet the CEO. So then we meet the CEO two days before <laughs> and then the CEO tell us everything. Yes. The employee is not arriving on time. They don't want to rotate. You know, sometimes these financial institutions in South America, there is interest of the company that the employees rotate because if they rotate, they learn more about all the different positions in that institution and creates more flexibility for the organization as well. So they, the management, they are very keen that the employees rotate so they learn of the position, but the employee, they don't want to do it, right? Yes. Everybody's comfortable in the, in the, in the spot and nobody wants to move. So there is a certain resistance, yeah? And then when we arrive, that's what we, we have to deal with, yeah? Okay, yeah. The least, okay, uh, Harry and Lily, this is what's happening. They're not arriving on time. They don't want to rotate. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. How can we solve the problem? So then Lily and I, we take out the information. We go back to the hotel 
and we tailor a workshop for, for them to, to address these issues. And then in less than, than one hour, it's gone. <laughs> Again, the power of storytelling. When we start to share our story with them, and they're connected with us. And it's very important that when we do this kind of training, we, always, we always design games. Yes. Right? So we design games with the objective that we want to go. So we don't tell them, you have to rotate. We tell them, let's play a game. And let's put, I remember that what we did that, that day, we, we took a, a lot of sheet of paper and then we leave one person on the corner just drawing by itself without rotation. And then we put like five or six teams and they start to rotate with the different pencils. So with the different color marker. And what happened was that the drawing that, that the team that they were rotating produced it was 100% more rich than the other drawing that the person was doing individually, right? Yeah. Why? Because the power of collaboration, everybody go to a drawing, everybody add it with the mind something else, and the end result, they were amazing, right? So they realized by themselves that if they rotate, they can create something amazing. It was very, very hard day because there were 150 of them. So we had to train 8 in the morning and 70 in the afternoon. It was eight hours of training, four in the morning and four in the afternoon. But at the end of the day, the whole goal was accomplished. Every, everyone was happy. That's really amazing. Well, well, listen, Harry, I think we've come to the end of the podcast, but I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing your story and your activities and inspiring our listeners you know, it's just so great to hear the story of somebody who came all the way from Cuba with, with next to nothing and managed to create the most incredible success that you have. So thank you, first of all, for just inspiring our listeners. It's been really great to have you here as a guest. My pleasure, Jane. All right, Harry. Well, listen, have a wonderful week and look forward to keeping in touch. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Smart Connector podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not head over to janebaylor.com and order a copy of my free report on building your personal brand. I'd love to connect with you on social media. And finally, don't forget to like and subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss a show. Thanks for listening in and see you soon.